Hi, welcome to episode two of The Noisy Golfer. Uh, thank you so much for those of you that joined us last week with Laura Landon Holmes as we talked about how to be the best caddy of your, uh, for your junior golfer. If you didn't catch up on that, feel free to click the link below so you can see that podcast. And for those of you that haven't heard about us before, we're Noisy Golf. We are a clothing brand exclusively for children aged four to 11 years. But also what we're trying to do is to use our platform to educate parents and junior golfers on all things golf. And we're delighted to have with us today um, Harry Butler, or otherwise known as Harry Butler Golf on Instagram. How are you doing, Harry? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about today was around college golf. And this was something that came up in uh, our podcast with Laura Landon Holmes last week, who took the move from Ireland to uh, to the United States, where she's now based as, as a US Kids Tour Director and coach at the Michelle Holmes School of Golf. Um, but when we, obviously we've connected on uh, social media and, you know, we've learned a little bit about your journey just before setting up this podcast today. So we thought it was a really, really good opportunity for us to share uh, the journey of, of, of somebody who's lived and breathed college golf, learn a little bit more about your experience as a junior golfer and your experience in the United States, and then hopefully talk about your sort of current aspirations within the golfing world as well. So for those that don't know you, um, if you could just give us a, an introduction and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Right, well, it's a lovely intro. It's quite hard to follow, but anyway, I'll try <laughs> my my name is Harry Butler. Uh, I'm from Essex. I play at Chigwell Golf Club and Brockett Hall Golf Club, which is in Hertfordshire. Um, I've been playing golf since I was four years old and I'm currently 23. So that's all there is to know, really. Uh, great. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Harry. Um, people don't actually know the backstory, but we have actually been trying to speak to you for a long time now. So it's great that we've actually <coughs> made this connection and uh, we're proceeding with this today. You've just touched on the fact that you were a junior golfer and you started at four years of age. Do you want to talk us through a little bit how that all began, uh, what your journey was kind of, you know, through any tours, competitions that you were doing into your teens and then where you went with your college golf applications and how that all came about? Yeah, so I started golf really young. Well, basically I've got an older brother who's 28, so he's about five years older than me. And neither of my parents played golf it was just one day my granddad took uh, my brother to the driving range he loved it started going every Saturday obviously I came along when I got to four years old did the same thing with me um, and it's just all kicked off from now started going every Saturday with both of them my brother and my granddad and we still go sometimes on the Saturdays together my brother doesn't play as much golf anymore uh, just fell out of love with it when he got to age 16, 17 or so, which is a bit of a shame. He still plays, still a good golfer, but it's still nice so to have yet. that in the family though, that family connection with your granddad and your brother and you know, just to kind of kick back on a Saturday and, and go back up the range. Exactly. And my, my granddad doesn't even play golf. He just loves taking us, which is really sweet. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then when I was about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old, I joined the golf club and actually started playing golf properly. Um, started playing just competitions at the golf club, you know, just getting my eye in type of thing. And then obviously I was absolutely loving it. Uh, it got to the point I played a lot of football when I was younger as well. So I was on a Sunday, I'm playing for my team, my Sunday league team. And then 
would go, go and play golf after. So I'd be absolutely shattered in the evening. I've got to school in the morning as well. So that wasn't easy. Uh, but yeah, I've done just competitions at the golf club. And then as I was loving it so much, I started entering like little junior opens around Essex. Um, was doing okay in them. I wasn't, I wasn't amazing when I was a little junior from like 11 until maybe 15 or something. I wasn't amazing, but I just played so much. I just started getting a bit better and better every year type of thing. And then I started entering the Essex tournaments and then just gradually got bigger and bigger until then I, I won a tournament called the Faldo Series, like the, the oh, okay. regional and that's how I got on like, my world ranking and then started getting into like all, all the bigger events, um, British amateur and all that type of stuff. At what point did you realise, I mean, it's quite interesting that we did a Q&A with Alison Nicholas, who's a former Solheim Cup captain uh, a few months ago. And she was somebody that just immediately hit the ground running when she started and actually experienced success quite early. At what point with yourself did you feel, actually, I'm quite good at this? Um, and what was the mentality, mentality between playing in competitions to actually putting yourself in contention at an event such as the Faldo Series? Yeah, it's quite a good question. I've never really thought about what age did I start thinking I was actually not bad at golf, but it was probably when I got to about 15 years old. That's when I thought, yeah, I, I want to try and do something in this. Um, obviously, I was enjoying my golf a lot, so that's all I really wanted to do. Uh, so I was when I've tried to take it a lot more seriously, I already took it serious, but, but extra step. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I've t sent myself off to boarding school. I didn't get kicked out. I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> went to boarding school just to pretty much play golf as much as I could miles away and just focusing on my golf. And that kind of set me up to go to college, being at boarding okay. school, being away from home and everything like that, being, being away from home for a few months and stuff. So, got me ready so instead of me just going straight out to America like being a bit blindsided being away from home I probably would have been a bit homesick and stuff like that but it's quite a good transition yeah it sounds like a good transition how was um that taken by your parents I mean obviously they were supportive um you know did mum kind of miss you and how, oh, how no, no, no we don't want to be talking about that my mum was in tears when I was leaving <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they supported me. They knew that's what I wanted to do, so they just kind of pushed yeah. me in the right direction. Yeah. My mum was the same, and I, I moved an hour up the road, so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty normal. And how how did the opportunity to move to college come about? Was it because it was it something that you'd learned about early on, or when you were in boarding yeah, school? Well, At what point did that conversation start? Well, my brother, his plan was to go to America. And so that's how I probably first learned about it because he was doing it when I was about 13, when he was 18. Um, so I started to learn about that. And then as I was getting about 13 to 14, 15, 16, so I see some of my friends going out to America and all this and see on their social medias how much they're loving it, all the pictures, all the golf courses they're playing and that type of thing. So that's how it all came about, really. Fantastic. And in, and in terms of once you've got to that point, how, how did it come about with you going to the, um, the the College of Choice when you first moved there? Did you have other options on the table? Yeah, 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 I, I did. So it, it was a tough decision, really. I had quite a few unis looking. They weren't all the best ones. Like I said, I, I wasn't the best junior golfer. I wasn't yeah. the best. It was when I got to uni, I worked really hard. But 
I went through an agency called ProDream USA. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, you go up to Scotland, they take a video of you and you write down all your achievements and all that type of thing, like a golfing CV as you would. Yeah. They put that all online for colleges to see. And I had, I had quite a few, but I narrowed it down to two or three. And it was like I could go to like a, a mediocre Division One school or there was a couple of mediocre Division Two ones. And I thought... I want to go out there and play golf. I don't want to go out there and just sit on the sidelines. Sure. I'm, I'm yeah. going out there it's to compete. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Laura actually mentioned the same thing. Yeah. If she was going to do it, she was going to do it properly and she wanted to be playing every week. And, um, exactly. you know, she kind of said that she's going out there and she's putting everything into it, basically. <laughs> so it's interesting that you have those options in front of you, but you actually push yourself that little bit further and think, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it properly. So... Yeah, the last thing I want to be doing is seeing my friends go into all these tournaments and stuff, and I'm just sat in my dorm room not being able to do <laughs> these amazing trips. So I took a decision to go to maybe the not-as-good university. I, I don't like saying that, but maybe for golfing-wise, it might not yeah. be. Um, but I think it was definitely the right decision just because I, I needed to get that uh, get it under my belt, plan all the tournaments and stuff, and I get the experience. Yeah. So definitely feel like I did the right thing. Fantastic. And in, and in terms of when you got there then, what were your aspirations at that point as a golfer? So obviously, I, I wanted to, wanted my whole aim is like, I want to be professional. I want to like take it as far as I can go. I want to be on the European Tour, PGA Tour. But I knew at the time I wasn't good enough, so I, I, I'm just trying to get in the team, put play as well as I can, win tournaments, that type of thing. Because, as I said, I didn't go to the best university at the start, but when they were describing to me how I how I could make the America story happen, they're telling me, oh, if you're <laughs> doing well after after two years, like you can transfer and stuff like that. So I'm all I'm thinking about is playing well, so I can get myself to like a a really good golfing union really the best courses in America like tournaments on the best courses is fantastic I've loved I loved it and even when I was at my first year we were still playing amazing courses we were playing Kiowa Island and places oh, wow. like that that's probably one that's, that's my favorite course in America yeah. Yeah, the ocean course oh I loved it loved it so much <laughs> and, and in terms of the setup then just talk us through when you've got to the college setup and and the day-to-day routines of being a college golfer how, how would you best describe that? Can I just ask as well, I mean, were you studying other things on the side? You know, obviously there wasn't just golf involved. You you still needed to come out of there with, with some sort of education as well. What what were you studying as yeah. well, um, as well as golf? Yeah, of course. Yeah, now I, I got my degree in economics with a minor in sports management. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so just quickly, when I first went out there, I actually, my, my coach put me in contact with another English boy who was going to start at the same time as me at, at Mars Hill, my first university. And so that kind of settled the nerves of being so far away from home because I've got, I've got something very similar. Like my roommate was English. Yeah. They put us together in the same, same room, which was quite nice. And he actually had a friend there already. So he got us talking to loads of people and that's how I met everyone there and made some amazing friends there absolutely love it the hardest bit about that about moving university was leaving all those friends behind yeah so so in, but in, in terms of the setup there once you've once you've settled in you've unpacked your suitcases and you know you've you, you've settled in 
what what is what is the golf college experience like from a from a player's perspective? How intensive yeah. is it? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on your coach, really. Because I know I know universities where the coach will make you get on the bus at like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon altogether. You're doing a very strict practicing, but the universities where I was at, it'd literally just be you wake up maybe nine a.m. depending where you where you, where your classes are, eight a.m. or something like that. And you go to class, you do all your classes, two or three classes a day, and then you head straight out to the golf course, maybe pick up some food on the way, a bit of fast food, you know, it is America. <laughs> um, and play golf until it gets dark, really. And that's that was the plan. And then two days a week, you'll be in the gym in the mornings with the, with the whole team, which is pretty hard to get out for when you're going up at 5.30 or something. But when you're, when you're out of bed, it's actually okay. And it's actually quite good fun working out with all the boys. Thanks, stuff. So you've, you've had two, two, first, two first years at North Carolina, is that right, in Mars Hill? Uh, yeah, I did two years in North Carolina and two years in Florida. Yeah. How, how did the move from North Carolina to Florida happen? What, what, was, the, what was the process there? So... I pretty much did it all myself. Um, okay. I just, I found all the universities online. I found all the coaches' emails online and everything like that. I know all the types of unions I'd want to go to. I just emailed emailed all the coaches. Um, obviously not every coach replied, but I've got quite a lot of interest. And I just made my decision like that from all the coaches that emailed me back. I was just looking them all up and seeing what they would offer me, like scholarship-wise and stuff like that and what they had to offer facilities like gym the golf courses the actual practice facilities everything like that um the schedule of the of the tournaments what, like what courses we're going to play um but yes yeah, so I, I pretty much did it all myself just emailing back and forth with the coaches can i just ask how does kind of the coaching and the experience differ in the us to the uk yeah, obviously, it must be a much better experience for a start. But, I mean, did you look into anything in the UK? Was there any options in the UK? Or is it literally just, I want to be in the US, that's where the opportunities are? Um, no, there are definitely opportunities in the UK as well. I mean, one of my close friends went to University of St Andrews and he had an amazing time there. The golf in there is, is incredible. But... For coach for coaching wise in America, you just you got to find out a bit about your coach because my first two years, my coach was literally just a bus driver, literally taking us to tournaments. I mean, he was a qualified coach, but he, he wasn't really. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> no, he'd get him to swing. He's having a little doze in the chair or something like that. Did you feel then that you weren't getting the experience that you were buying into? Is that why the move came about? I mean, part. Partly, yes, because I wanted to have a coach on there, just like if I'm not playing to my best or something, you can give me those little tweaks and stuff like that. But I was in the mountains as well, so it did get pretty cold. Who would have thought <laughs> America gets cold? But it You're from the UK, you can't say that. <laughs> well, when it's snowing in November, December time and absolutely freezing until late Jan, it was horrible. Couldn't, couldn't play too much golf during those times. That's the main reason the move came about. But you did experience quite a bit of success though in your first two years, didn't you? In your second year, particularly winning three events. Yeah, yeah, I did. My first year, I think I was probably just trying to get to grips with things, you know, settling in and all that. 
didn't play my best golf, but one of the boys there, he was a senior when I was a freshman and he was a very good golfer. His name's Adam Lumley. He won, I think, maybe six, five or six tournaments that first year. Wow. Maybe not as many as that. I might be making his head a bit too big there. But um, anyway, uh, it was quite nice learning off him. He was a really good player. And then I kind of like took that into my second year and I really worked hard over the summer as well while I was home. Played quite well in the summer and then took a bit of form over to America and won a few events, yeah. Um, was that influential in moving to, to the University of West Florida? Obviously, because that's probably put you in a stronger position having had a proven track record at North Carolina with winning those events. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just shows that you can do it and maybe can cope a little bit under a bit of pressure. Yeah. It definitely helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, superb. So it was around 20, 2018 then, wasn't it, that you'd moved to, to the University of West Florida? Oh, was it as long ago as that? <laughs> <laughs> so when, when were you... Um, uh, sorry, just to uh, just answer the question... Uh, Got the question now. Sorry, the, the transition between um, North Carolina to, to West Florida. Obviously, you've mentioned the coach already. What, what were the other major differences when you arrived there? There wasn't, I mean, there were a few international boys on the team, but a lot more Americans. Okay. Uh, there wasn't any English boys on the team, which I kind of missed, to be fair. Couldn't quite have the same banter with them. <laughs> but that's pretty much the only difference apart from obviously the weather and all the practicing but I say the only difference it was a massive difference the campus is probably about 10 times the size there was only about 1500 people at Mars Hill but then when I went to West Florida it was about 15,000 so oh, wow. I've, gone from knowing, I've gone from absolutely knowing absolutely everybody at Mars Hill I don't think there was one person I didn't know to going to West Florida where I know literally nobody apart from like the golf team, all the people in my classes and stuff like that. So it was it was a big difference, yeah. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. The golf at West Florida was definitely much better just because the course we practice at every day is just absolutely stunning. The facilities are so good, the range, the course. We had so many different amazing courses close by that we were able to play. Um, another big difference was that I went there so I could go and play regionals and nationals. Okay. I mean, that was a big, big part of me moving. It was like the same thing as I said before, where when I was transferring, it was either I go to a decent D1, mediocre one, or I go to like the top of D2. And at the time when I transferred, West Florida were ranked number one. Okay. And I thought it'd be a bit more kudos going to like number one in D2 than going to like maybe 40, 50 of ranked in D1. Yeah, yeah. Next stuff. Yeah. Now, I just want to back it up a little bit. Um, we're obviously based around the junior golf, um, junior golf experience. And what you've told us so far is very much you are very independent, very self-sufficient. And, um, you know, you're, make, you're making these decisions for yourself about kind of, you know, going into a boarding school, then going to the US to, to one college uh, transferring two years later to another college what where do you think those skills actually came in for you as a junior golfer I mean what we've talked about recently um on our social media and things is uh how parents have that role to play and what they're doing for their child to make them independent and make themselves sufficient how how was that relationship for you you obviously mentioned that it was your granddad that was taking you you were following kind of your brother's footsteps as well 
what involvement did kind of mum dad have in that and do you think that they were part of making you you know that self-sufficient independent person that you are one one hundred percent as you say I'm very independent I'm I guess I have made my own decisions like through the golfing way, but my mum still helps with my golfing schedule every summer and stuff like that. So I'm not very independent. You give me a lot more credit. <laughs> did, did so that's what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear how your parents were involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, had a, we had a similar conversation uh, on social media with Maggie Whitehead recently, who's, uh, you know, she, she doesn't know whether she's coming or going. She'll admit, hopefully she watches this. But, she needs to ask her mum. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her, her parents basically manage everything for and she just focuses on golf which I can imagine works you know when you when you're talking yeah. about a sport that requires that sort of level of concentration yeah. and things but as you were growing up um did you find that you were independent immediately or did you find that you know your parents were kind of doing things for you a lot and helping you out here or there you know one of our things today one of our um social media posts was about um you know helping your child tee up for example or helping them read the greens that kind of thing you know how involved were your parents in that that sense or was it a case of no you need to be self-sufficient at this and and they kind of backed off there's lots of different approaches that we've heard about so yeah well I say in the background my parents were a massive help like just sorting all the tournaments out taking me back and forth I can't thank them enough for that they've been so drivers (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't tell them that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but on the other hand, when it actually comes to my golf, I have probably have been pretty self-sufficient um, because obviously my parents don't play golf. They're not not to one not the ones to know how to green read or anything like that. I mean, yeah. every now and again, my dad tries to tell me how to do something in golf and I've just put my head in my hand. So, yeah, definitely getting self-sufficient on the golf course. But, I mean, it's been a lot of help. I mean, being being away from home when I was at boarding school, they gave me a lot of help there. Um, and then, obviously, just seeing my coach quite a lot. So, he's helping me. But I'm out on that golf course a lot by myself, practising by myself a lot. It's a pretty lonely game, very yeah. lonely game. I practice... That's- lot <laughs> I think I think that's the thing I mean amongst all the glamour of watching the top 10 your John Rahms your McElroy's your Dustin Johnson's I think that's a, there's a very small percentage of people that you know that, that get to that level and I think that there's what what you don't see behind the tv screens is that there's thousands and thousands of players grinding away on the practice range on the putting green in the bunkers you know mm-hmm. trying to fulfill their dreams it, and and at times it can be you know, it is a very lonely sport. It's not like you've got teammates around you and you're, you know, you're sharing the success with them. It's ultimately down to yourself, you know, when it, I suppose when it comes to being on the golf course. Yeah, of course, of course. And there are so, there are so many good players out there and I found that, especially in America, everyone thinks, oh, D1, D1 is the best and all that. But D1 is just about how much money a university has. That's how okay. they're D1 and how, how big it is, how much money and how big how big they are. But you go and play D2 golf and there's some unbelievable players still, like lots and lots of really, really good players. And you think there's so many universities in Division 2, there's so many universities in Division 1 and Division 3, so um, many major players, and that's just in America. What about the people who haven't gone to university? And that Exactly. That's how we get a mate who breaks you, but luckily it's given me the motivation to work hard and keep grinding on my game. 
Definitely. Are there any people that you would name that you've either played with or seen that you would say are people to look out for in the, the coming years? A boy called uh, Harry Butler, he's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're definitely liking that one. Yeah. Many um, that's a good question. Um, played with a boy called Vincent Norman a few times. He's a Swedish boy. Just went to Florida State, but he's just been playing a couple events on the European tour. He's doing, he's doing pretty well. Played with a boy called Toto. He played in the Masters. Um, and it's, I mean, lots of people I've played with in America will play a few European tour events or PJ tour events and stuff like that. I played the other week. I was up in Scotland. I said the other week, a couple of months ago, trying to play St Andrews Links and the British Am. Playing with uh, Sandy Scott. He's our world ranking. He's our top 10 or something. He's played the US Open and all that type of stuff. So watch out for those few names. Uh, they'll be there for years to come. And as a player, what do you notice as the major differences between those that are looking potentially to make a successful living out of the game? Are there any particular elements of their game that you just look at and you think, wow? Or is it a case of, is it all rounds? What, what areas would you say? Just, there's a couple of, couple of things that really sets them apart from the others. It's just consistency like throughout the whole whole part of their game like there's not really a weakness it's all good and then they've, they've either got something really a really good strength of theirs um so I, I think when you're working on stuff you you've obviously got a strength you know what one part of your game is better than the others yeah and you yeah. can work on the weakness but you've got to still carry on with that strength because you want that to be working the best for you sure um but as I was saying yeah but it's just the demeanor on the golf course I think the head is just probably literally the most important thing and for the players I see the best ones I see is just the way they keep their head held up high and there's no you don't see too much emotion from them obviously there is inside but they don't let it yeah. out you just keep plodding along is, is the rally is, in college golf or even in your own experience in golf how much emphasis has there been on sports psychology with that in mind, because I think that's a really interesting point, as well as as well as the technical elements of golf. Is there anything done to to train the mind as much as the body? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, especially at my at the second university in Florida, um, our coach took that pretty seriously. He was pretty good. He was a good coach. He got us to see a psychologist every now and again, but he took it quite seriously. So if he did see us in qualifying throwing a club or anything I, I'm not that person okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty calm on the golf course but I know a couple of the other boys aren't but if he did see that he, they would get punished <laughs> pretty severely sometimes yeah. I don't think that's a bad idea <laughs> so so moving to the present then obviously you're, you're back in the UK now settled back into UK life what are you up to at the moment and what are your current playing aspirations Oh, well, as I just said, I was up in Scotland uh, playing a couple, like, two of the biggest events of the year, St. Andrews Links and the British Am. But my back, my back went during St. Andrews I Link. saw that, yeah. What it's happened? A, I've, I've done something to a couple of the joints in my spine, the facet joints, and I pulled a couple of muscles in it. So still recovering. I actually went out yesterday to hit a few pitch shots for the first time, so... That's heading in the right direction, I hope. But 
hopefully I can get back into it in the next couple of weeks, start playing a bit more. I'm going to do a Euro Pro Q school at the end of the year. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately there's no uh, European Tour Q school this year, otherwise I would be entering that. Yeah. For okay. the meantime, hopefully just get a few more amateur events under the, under the belt. And when I'm back to fitness, get to play a couple of clutch pro events and stuff just to get my eye back into a bit of tournament golf. Thanks, yeah. Um, yeah, we won't keep too much longer. Just thinking back then, I mean, obviously you've transitioned then back from America back to the UK. What's that experience been for you? Um, obviously, in terms of your game, but in terms of mentally as well, you're out there doing your thing, very independent, miles away from home. You've come back. You've obviously, you know, great to have your family and everything around you again. Um, you want to push forward with your golf and what you're doing here. Um, but in terms of that transition, was there a point where you were like, actually, do I belong here? Do I belong there? You know, how's that been? Well, I would definitely say I belong in America because all of this COVID <laughs> stuff, I haven't really been able to do too much since I've been home. I got sent home. Well, so I got sent home. My mum dragged me back home during all this COVID crisis. <laughs> and then when I was home, obviously it was lockdown. I couldn't be doing too much so I was wishing I was back in America being able to play um and I do there is sometimes I think oh god I wish I wish I was back in America playing in the lovely weather all these lovely courses but for the time being I definitely want to be in the UK I want to be in England trying to make it here just quite nice being with the family got got a little doggy so he's literally loving my life that man that little, <laughs> little sausage dog roaming about um, we've got a little Maltese running about somewhere here as well you probably just hear the barking <laughs> yeah. for some reason there's fireworks going off outside our front door yeah, we've quite got no idea why no I think um, I mean we've both worked overseas before so we kind of know about you know the lifestyles and things that you get into um, you know I've worked UK Europe Middle East um Paul's worked Cyprus, Dubai as well, Bahrain, yeah. So I think once you've kind of had that experience, the itchy feet never really go away. Do you see your future being in the UK now? Um, do you think you might move up, move back eventually, or do you think that's it, you're going to stay? No, nah, nah, I mean, the plan is, right? The, this is the oh, longest. Like the plan. <laughs> Obviously, to play Euro Pro, move up to like, however long it takes, move up to Challenge Tour, Europe, then European Tour, and then play well enough so I can get myself on the PGA Tour, get a few invites and get status over there, and then I can be living in America. Because I, I do love the lifestyle out there. It's very, very different. Um, so I'd see myself living out there in the future, not not in the short-term future, but the long-term future, maybe when I'm quite a little bit older. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely plan to move out there when I'm maybe... Years away or so. <laughs> uh, well, fingers crossed, everything goes to plan. Uh, we'll certainly be watching. And yeah, have you got anything else that you want to add? No, no, I, th I just think it's a really, really insightful conversation. I yeah. think it was co college golf is something that I think a lot more are talking about. I think through the presence of social media, I think it, you know, certainly in speaking with Laura last week and obviously yourself, it, it, it seems more accessible than what the, the, the perception is. So, you know, part of our you know, journeys to just try and amplify, you know, that message and that, you know, it's achievable. What What is the lifestyle like? Who do you go and see? You know, how do you start that conversation? So hopefully there's plenty of 
parents of junior golfers and junior golfers that you know looking to follow in your footsteps and and, and go and do you know fulfill their ambition of going to play college golf and and seeing how their career develops really so it's a you know it's a really interesting story yeah it's def- definitely very accessible out there like I say I w- wasn't the best junior golfer growing up I think when I went out to America I might have been off, off scratch or something back in the day and I mean it wasn't great it wasn't terrible going out there but I still got my place in America and I think you, all golfers growing up they can definitely get out there if they really wanted to yeah no, no fantastic I think um you know, for what I'd say for those of you watching, if there are any questions, um, then feel free to, to comment below and, and or send us a, a message to our social media channels. Um, also, feel free to give Harry Butler a, a follow. It's Harry Butler Golf on Instagram. I'm sure, he wouldn't be uh, uh, not wanting of any more followers on his account. And by all accounts, he's one to watch. And by all accounts, he's one to watch. <laughs> but um, I think from our point of view, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, we look forward to, to seeing how that develops over the over the coming months and years, obviously with your, you know, your recovery as well, uh, injury-wise. Um, and for those of you that uh, obviously haven't been to Noisy Golf before, do feel free to check out noisygolf.com. Um, we do have a summer sale at the minute using the uh, discount code SUMMER25 where you get 25% off. Uh, and do feel free to hit the like and subscribe button for our channel as we look to bring you more latest information on all things junior golf. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Harry. Thanks, Harry. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much.